He was known as the Tasmanian Devil to some, or the Swashbuckler, and to many, the Baron of Mohollen, Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn was the most dashing and reckless actor to take Hollywood by storm in the 1940s, but Flynn's antics off-screen far overshadowed his brief but brilliant prime as the biggest box office star at Warner Brothers. The man was considered to be legendary. However, legends can sometimes turn out to be darker, with scandalous whispers of being a Nazi spy, having heroin trips, and throwing two-way mirror and sex parties in his Mulholland home. It was no wonder he was introduced with the promiscuous catchphrase, in like Flynn. On today's episode, we will take a dive into Errol's early life, career, and death, and then we'll end it with the Paranormal Association. Are there Errol Flynn ghosts? We learn that Tracy Nelson, the daughter of former teen heartthrob and singer Rick Nelson, lived in one of Flynn's most notorious homes, the Mulholland Drive home. It was there where she claimed to have been haunted by the spirit of Errol Flynn and had witnessed the chain of events that may have led to her father's death. So you know the drill. Grab some salt, maybe some salienite, and maybe pour yourself a nice little martini and get comfortable, but not too comfortable because we are going to be talking about the life and paranormal association of Errol Flynn, Hollywood's most handsome devil. Please note that this episode contains depictions of addiction and sexual assault that may be triggering to some listeners, so listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been a victim of sexual assault, please contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4873 for confidential 24-7 support or visit their website, www.rain.org. That's www.rain.org. Now let's get Holly Weird. Hey guys. Oh, hello there. Ew, David. You, David. I know. I'm I've got my. At- your hardware yes. on your fingers, m'lady? I, ha- <laughs> I have this, like, fantasy that I'm a ring person, but I'm really not, if I'm being super honest. Uh-huh. But this feels like a, a light toe dip into the water. I love it you. on you. Yeah. You're giving me all sorts of vibes with your hair <laughs> and your know. hardware. I know. I know. It's so silly. <laughs> Summer's here. <laughs> What what we what were we saying last episode is Miss Piggy summer. Oh my god, it totally is. It really is. Yeah, I just need a caftan and a perm, and we're ready. No, a hundred percent. It's happening. Like if Liza Minnelli can always yes. rock a caftan, then I'm Hell sure yes. that we could, right? Um, I don't know if you watch this. Uh, I, <laughs> we're like 14 seconds, and I'm like tangent. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Bryce Mitchell Williams, and I like tangents. No way. Um, no, no, shocker. <laughs> CEO of tangents. Uh, no, um, I don't know if you've been watching this new season of Legendary on HBO. If you watch that at all, it's like the ballroom competition show. No, I it's haven't. It's really good. Okay. I don't obviously. 
you know, ballroom is such a part of like queer history and like we owe so much to that community and the pop culture pyramid is that like black trans women create culture and then like it travels up through like gay men and white women and then like the zeitgeist. But we really do owe them so much. And so this is such a cool show kind of celebrating the contributions of ballroom to pop culture in general and then it's also a competition show which you know I'm obsessed with Mm -hmm. Um, but the reason I'm bringing up is because one of the episodes this season was like a theme was like pool summer party and Deshaun Wesley who is the like MC slash host Mm -hmm. he wore this like caftan and high waisted like pants and no shirt and I was like (gasps) I'm going to black out both because I want to marry him and because I need this outfit. So I could see you like on your phone making oh, a memo. Yeah. I'll be like the fat going white on, version of him. Going on Pinterest. Of course he looks so <laughs> handsome and beautiful. And I'm like, I have to want that. Like, oh God. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. I recommend it. Yeah. Sounds like a great show. I yeah. need to put that on my queue. I mean, that's the thing is there's so much television where I just feel like I'm always being like, oh, you should watch this. Or like someone's telling me and I'm like, yeah, I'll get to it. And I never can. Like there's just so much television to catch up on quote unquote. So. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a segue now into this. Oh, there is oh, yeah, none. Like, I'm so sorry. So much. Tele- but funny that you talk about television and shows. Mm. Someone recommended me this show that we're going to actually inject into this episode. Nice. And to which is why we decided to do this episode. We were inspired by our last episode mm-hmm. of famous haunted music studios in mm-hmm. LA. And one of those haunted studios was an old house that belonged to Errol Flynn mm-hmm. that was bought by fame producer Rick Rubin, who was responsible for producing Beastie Boys, um, Lord, and so many more yeah. talented musicians. But I was watching this show called Past Lives, and you can find it on YouTube, right? Ooh. It is so juicy. It was like big before TMZ became really, really wow. big, in my opinion. Yeah. So it's called Past Lives. You can find it on YouTube. There's three parts to the Errol Flynn episode Ew. where they invited all of Errol Flynn's, like most of like his directors, mm. his friends, and even his girlfriends, his past girlfriends and mistresses. So yes, guys, you read it correctly on the title and of course heard it on the intro. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about Hollywood's original fuck boy. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of sighing and eye rolling from me during this episode. So I apologize in advance. We're going to be talking about the Tasmania devil Mm -hmm. himself, Hollywood's devil, Errol Flynn. Mm -hmm. And his wicked, wicked ways. (laughs) Yes. He did come out with an autobiography many years ago called My Wicked, Wicked Ways. And it was just, I wanted to throw the book against the wall because I'm like, come on, bro. Like, tell me you're a narcissist without telling me you're a narcissist in a way. I'm I'm so fascinated, fascinated, excuse me, Mm -hmm. by narcissism in general, because a, we live in like the capital city of narcissism. Let's just call a spade a spade. Right. Um, but then actual like clinical narcissism is so fascinating to me. It really is. Like the things that they do. And when you realize that like they treat people the way a drug addict treats their next hit. And that everyone is oh, like yeah. a source to them, a mm-hmm. source for their ego. It really starts making sense. Like, oh, wow, these like seemingly 
insane, erratic behaviors actually make quite a lot of sense when mm-hmm. filtered through the lens of like narcissism. Right. Um, I'm just going to recommend shows this whole podcast. No, um, go right ahead. There's a show on Hulu about Teal Swan, who is. Oh my God. Oh my God, girl. It's so good. Oh, and we might go thing. on a tangent on this. I know. I'm so sorry. Sorry, guys. sorry listeners. Yeah. Uh, you're here to you're have here. tea. Right? Hello. This is our podcast. <laughs> you feel free. There's a little button on yes. your right side of your phone on the page. You can time jump. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they will, I promise. <laughs> like, oh, never um, mind. But I do rec- it's such a good show. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, um, I've seen her kind of bee boob around on TikTok. I'm, you know, my algorithm is quite. Sometimes it's all over the place. Yeah, but like I have seen some of her videos and, you know, anyone that's gotten help from her wisdom, I'm not trying to shit on that in any way, shape or form. I appreciate that she is providing a service. However, (laughs) uh, it is fascinating. It's only four episodes and it is just like a deep dive. Yes, into her business and her platform and all of those things. But it is a very stark look at narcissism. And she is a grade a textbook narcissist and you know it's that thing we've talked about before where unfortunately people who have been abused in their past Mm -hmm. can also become abusers and that's a very scary cycle to be in for the people around them Uh, and again anyone that's gotten like positive reinforcement from her like I love that I'm not trying to shit on anyone's journey but it's pretty intense the way she treats especially like her inner circle quote unquote and I just kept t- saying to my roommate, I'm shocked that she signed off on this. I cannot believe that she gave them this much access because they're just filming and they're long cuts. It's not like they're splicing together yeah. to make her look one way or the other. They clearly have a point of view. They clearly. Well, that's yeah, that's the producers that's trying the to producers. tell the yes. story. And you can tell when something's been what they call in the industry Franken edited. Mm-hmm. This is not that. No. Like, look. I love Drag Race, don't get me wrong, but Drag Race is a very good example where they're doing a Franken-edit. It's mm-hmm. like choppy cuts, sentences that are pulled out when of context. you hear the words like, uh, ooh, totally. ooh, uh, it's and like different Again, yeah, they're levels. trying to produce a show. Like, I get it. I'm here for the drama, too, yeah. but this is not that. These are like long, uncut scenes. You could feel it, though. Like, yeah. You're like, this is making me uncomfortable. Yeah. And I've dated a narcissist. Oof. Oh, yeah, I could be very lucid right now. Mm-hmm. I dated a narcissist before meeting my husband. We were together for a year. Wow. And it got to the point where he was becoming not only verbally abusive, mm-hmm. but then it turned almost physically abusive. Yeah. And, you know, there was a point where I really thought that mm-hmm. it was my fault. Yes. And I really thought that I was the one that was crazy. And I was de- speaking to a friend of mine one day. She was like, Tammy, you're kind of dating a narcissist because mm-hmm. by everything that you're telling me it just is checking off all the boxes yeah. and but they're was, so good at making it oh seem like it's God. yours yes i would we would break up i would break up mm-hmm. with him and then like two weeks later he oh, we I, for some reason i would wake up i'm like we're back in a relationship mm-hmm. yeah that's happened and when we broke up finally he cheated on me like mm. full-on cheated on me and tried to blame the the cheat on me. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh no, 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 this is all on you. Mm-hmm. And then for six months, no joke. Like he was still calling me to 
try to convince me that I was still the problem mm-hmm. and the reason why he had to do all those things mm-hmm. to me. And it got to the point where I like had to block his number. You have to. I almost had to change my number, but I was like very firm, like, no, I'm 504 ever. My area yeah. code is New Orleans, and this guy is not going to make me change yeah. this code yeah. at all. But it sucked. Mm-hmm. And for anyone that is going through that, like you trust me, you're not the crazy one. No. You're able to get out. And if you need help, there are people out there that can help you. Yes, truly. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, light segue, but we kind of talked before this episode, like this episode. And I know there's a bit in the opening as well, but we're going to kind of be talking about, I mean, we already have been talking about maybe some lightly triggering subjects. Um, And, you know, we try and be as open and honest, especially um, in topics like that. But, you know, it is important, like, if you, if anyone is in an abusive situation, there is help. There are ways out of it. There are resources that you can use. Um, I was just saying to Tammy, you know, a lot of the shows that we've mentioned even, they've been posting uh, just kind of disclaimers and talking about, like, if you are in a situation. Um, I just know that the sexual harassment and assault hotline is one resource. Again, there are so many shelters and things like that. Um, but if you are listening to this and you are hearing my dulcet tones, know that like we're here for you as much as two people in Los Angeles can be. And we Mm -hmm. want you to be safe first and foremost. Absolutely. It is hard. It's really hard to get out. I, I've never, uh, you know, my my relationship with narcissism has only been one who I used to work for. And that was oh, I remember difficult enough. And I wasn't romantically involved or personally involved. It was just at work. It could happen anywhere. It, it just bleeds it, it, over and it consumes your whole life. Yeah. And I wasn't even the one who was really like the target of it. And it was so all encompassing. We were all in this like But whirlpool. you were standing outside yeah. of it. You were like, I'm the extra pair of eyes yeah. and it already looks really bad. Yeah, it, it doesn't look not, great. Not great. So, yeah, I mean, again, obviously we're going to have fun and we're going to kiki and all those things. But, but this know, is a serious topic. There are and some we don't topics want, that are touchy for we sure. We don't want it to trigger anything. Thing no. for you guys so Bryce can you once more drop oh, the information yeah. again because we care about you guys and if you're ever in a situation like this we want you to know that there are organizations out there that can help and are there to help 24 7 yeah I mean just the one that I know of like sort of off the top of my head is the National Sexual Assault Hotline uh, you can go online and chat with someone online dot rain r a i n n dot org or call someone at eight hundred six five six four six seven three. And again, uh, there are resources. I'm not trying to say that it's easy, but you know, it's sort of like that investment in your safety and what a worthy investment. Yes. Oof. Ugh, I know. So I know I said ew, David. I think <laughs> yes. I want to call this episode ew. Errol. Ooh, Errol. Yeah, I know. I know. What a guy. <laughs> so before we go into this episode, I'm just going to list some of our sources. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanity Fair's 2021 article, The Mad, The Bad, and Shameless Errol Flynn, Tas- Tasmania's Devil. I for the screen dot com past lives from 1997 mm. Errol Flynn's biography, My Wicked, Wicked Ways and High Times. So as a little prologue, I'm just going to read the statement here. Love it. 
He often played a dashing hero on the screen, but in real life, Errol Flynn was the original Tassie devil. British actor Stuart Granger said he was a bit of a sadistic devil was Errol, but it was always done with such charm and sense of mischief that he was always forgiven. Mm. Sounds like a narcissist. Mm -hmm. Just saying. All right. So in order to begin, we need to go all the way back and we're going to go all the way back to 1909. Errol Flynn was born in Hobart, Tasmania on June 20th of 1909 to Theodore Thompson Flynn and Marielle Young. His father was a respected marine biologist and zoologist. Now, according to VanityFair.com, growing up in Tasmania, mainland Australia and England, Errol Leslie Thomas Thompson Flynn decided quickly that the normal rules of human behavior did not apply to him. I roll, I roll, <laughs> I roll. And <clears throat> I'm going to try to say this in Errol's voice. I've been in a rebellion against God and government ever since I can remember, Flynn writes in his autobiography. His favorite companions were the wild animals, tigers, kangaroos, possums, and yes, the Tasmanian devils. <laughs> These animals were kept in his backyard by his beloved father, Theodore. Now, as a child, Flynn constantly butted heads with his mother, Mariel. Mm. Uh, My young, beautiful, impatient mother with the itch to live perhaps too much like my own, says Flynn. She considered him a devil in boys' clothing and, according to Flynn, frequently beat him up. Mm. So there is a little bit of Hispanic, I want to say, in Mariel, because Mm -hmm. she went beyond the Faja and Chancla with (laughs) Mm -hmm. Errol. So when Flynn was seven, get this, he was caught playing doctor with a neighborhood girl under the porch. Yikes. And was caught and received a really bad thrashing from his Mm. mother. And um, it caused him to run away from home for a couple of days. Wow. And then he came back home. At seven? Jeez. At seven. Like, that must have been a really bad beating. Yeah. But um, let's fast forward Mm. to teenage Flynn. Uh, Flynn was expelled from Hobart High School on three accounts. His father used his influence to get him into Sydney Grammar and SC... EGS, the Sydney Church of England Grammar School is a lot right there. And he was expelled just only five months for being a disturbing influence. The reasons are not verified, but suggestions of uh, sexual relations with the young staff members. There's this one particular incident with the laundress's daughter. He was caught having sex with her on a pile of coal, supposedly. And of course, like, Muriel was not happy and and still beat the crap out of him. But according to Flynn, no matter how much or how hard Mariel would beat me, it seemed as though the devil would always stay in my body. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Well, look, this is kind of what we were talking about, though, where it's like, yes, unfortunately, like people who have been abused can then grow up and become abusers. But it's sort of that thing where it's like your past is not your fault. Well, that's what a lot of people suggested mm. when they dissect his life, especially his earlier life. They believe that Flynn's attitude towards women mm-hmm. perhaps began when his with his strange relationship with his mom. Sure. Because his mom used to have a slew of infidelities. Oh, interesting. So she used to have affairs with other men, especially in front Jesus. of Errol. And the father was a doting father, but he was too busy being a zoologist, uh-huh. a biologist. He was always so busy. Yeah. And of course he was like, oh no, mom, the mom will take care of my son and 
Uh-huh. Yeah, she she did all right. Yeah, but again, it's like you, what happens to you in your past is not your fault. No. But it is your responsibility as yes. an adult. So it's a fine line there. I hear that. But like, yeah, I'm not trying to like victim blame someone who was abused their whole childhood. That's terrible and obviously does affect you and like shapes the way you are. Mm-hmm. We've talked in many, many episodes, like men in Hollywood, especially during oh, that God. time period, yeah. were getting away with literal murder they in were. many cases. So again, Again, it's not his fault that that happened to him, but like it is our responsibility as adults to like undo the trauma that happened to us. So it's sad. I'm not trying to like diminish that, but woof. Yeah, woof is, is, is right. <laughs> I mean, just it. He's one of those people like Marilyn, mm. like any other Hollywood star, even Natalie Wood. Even like Kirk Douglas, like mm. you could dissect a part of their life, yeah, and it would like you could still write a novel. Totally, like you could dissect his earlier life and write a whole novel dedicated to that. Yeah, it's just even though he led such a short life, it, it, it it's so complex. Yeah. Now, after being dismissed from a job as a junior clerk with a Sydney shipping company. Uh, for stealing petty cash, and this is something that he is going to be notorious of doing mm-hmm. the rest of his life, stealing. Flynn travels in October of 1927 to Papua New Guinea at the age of 18, seeking his fortune in tobacco planting and gold mining in the Marobe goldfield. Hmm. But he also engaged in a form of slave trade, and it was rumored that he may have engaged in some sexual activities with the native women that was not consensual. Oh, um, God. <laughs> he spent the next five years uh. oscillating between New Guinea and Sydney, but he eventually stays in Sydney after he stands trial for murdering a native man who attacked him, which Errol was acquitted of because he claims that it was all in self-defense. Now, I wonder why that all happened. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because Errol was fucking around with the wrong people. Right. I mean, oof. Mm-hmm. To be fair, not only should we condemn Flynn, but we also need to condemn the entire right. British Empire right. of several centuries along with him because Flynn was a British subject at a time. Right. It's that thing where it's like, okay, we know better now, quote unquote, but like they they knew better then too. Right. They just had permission to be more flagrant about it. Mm-hmm. But like there were people at the time who were not doing that. Let's just be very fucking clear. Right. And there are people who were speaking out against those practices, mm-hmm. even while it was happening. So it's like, yeah, he was a product of his time, but like they knew better then too. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, you're still like raping and murdering people. Exactly. Hmm. I swear I'm not, not going to go on a, I swear I'm not, not going to go on a leftist rant. I swear, I promise. <laughs> oh God. So while staying in Sydney, he becomes engaged with a woman and then flees to England after he was accused of stealing jewels from mm. a friend that was in their inner circle. Mm. Hmm, stealing again. So we fast forward Oof. to 1933 and Flynn begins stage acting. He joins the Northampton Repertory Company in England. And this act set the course of the rest of his life for it was here where he learned how to act and more than that, become interest, interested in acting as a craft. Mm. Indeed, in his later years, he remarked that his happiest times of his life were the two years he spent, and this is what I quote from him, trotting the boards with the theater company. 
And trotting the broads, I'm sure. That's what he See was thinking. See you across the boards, <laughs> See you across the boards. Like, oh my God. Trotting the boards. All right. He is eventually kicked out of the theater company for allegedly pushing the director's wife down the stairs. Jesus. Well, Flynn in the very beginning was okay. He would miss his entrances, forget where to stand, and also forget to bring specific props for God, certain things. This, the bar is just in hell. Like, <laughs> come on. So Flynn's talent as an actor, which were not inconsiderable, eventually became overlooked because of his physical appearance. Mm. His handsomeness and his devil-may-care smile are what got him into New York and eventually Los Angeles. And if you see pictures of him, he is a good-looking man. Mm. Like... He's very, very attractive, of course. Like, he could get away with murder with those looks. Now, Flynn's Hollywood career started with a bang when Warner Brothers seeks him out and starts his career with the movie Captain Blood in 1935. He ends up marrying French actress Lily um, Demita and celebrated as a screen lover. Flynn admits to being awkward and shy around his co-stars, particularly around the lovely and distant Olivia Havilland. Now, he's married to Lily, and then he starts trying to slide into Olivia's DMs, if you know what I mean. Now, this is what he quotes in his book, and it pisses me off. There was a time she found a dead snake in her panties as she went to put them on. Ha, 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 ha. And uh, let's just say she was terrified and she wept. She knew very well, very well, who was responsible for that. Disgusting. If I was her, he would not have two eyes, nor a pulse. Mm Mm-mm. I would go beyond Chancla and Faha. I would take that dead snake yeah. and I would beat him with it. Well, the thing that's so crazy is that like this is still happening. Like, I'm sorry, but Jared Leto is like doing all of those, like all the stories of him like oh during Suicide Squad. Like, nothing has really changed. Like, if we're being mm-hmm. very honest, yes, like you can say that like the woke left and all of those things, but like gross, disgusting men are still being protected in Hollywood. Yeah. Like, let's not pretend that this, like, happened. He's on cult and then, level now. That's Have the you thing. seen Well, that? now he really is he a cult really leader. He really is a cult leader. But, like, he was just in that fucking Marvel movie. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, they didn't just start shooting that. Like, they knew before they started mm-hmm. what he was. And, like, let's cast this guy. Yeah, things that still haven't changed in Hollywood. Here no, we are. No, they really haven't. And, like, mm-hmm. look, are they changing? I would like to believe that no. they are. But no, they're not. Like, mm-hmm. not in the way that, like, means anything significantly. Yeah. Like, the I people, know, I still feel it. Like, the people who are in power are still in power, and they always absolutely. have been. And nepotism sort of rules the roost. And, like, I get it that this sounds like bitter grapes because, like, I'm not famous. So, like, fine. But no, it's like we work in the industry, and we've right. seen it. It's, it's like gross. nothing changes, especially during the pandemic. Nothing yeah, changed. I know. <laughs> well, it's like we all marched and painted and decided that, like, Pride and Black Lives Matter was, like, a fad and like here we are and like percentage wise like 70% of the new shows that were greenlit were all starring like white people almost exclusively white cast so it's like not that much is changing and again I'm not I'm really not trying to rant I swear (laughs) but it's just like when you're hearing that like Jared Leto is sending like Margot Robbie used condoms and dead rats like nothing's changed yeah oh yeah I really don't like Jared Leto. I could really tell. go on a tangent. He we is, could probably do a, he's my, an episode. He's, yeah, he's like my number one. Like every time he's in something, like I won't watch it under any circumstances. Right. I do not support him. I do not listen to his music. I do not think he's a good actor. You know how I feel about the fucking method, and he has taken it to the nth possible degree. He's a fucking psychopath. 
Tell me how you really feel yeah, about it. <laughs> I, I very strongly dislike him. I ran into him in Runyon Canyon a long time Should ago. Should have pushed him. I, <laughs> <laughs> Oops, my bad. <laughs> he looked so different. Like, mm-hmm. He looked like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he was like with this girl... And then my like I was with a I was with oh my god one of my friends and he disappears around this corner and then I just see the girl waiting like she's just on her phone I'm like how are you getting reception and then he comes out through the bushes because he was just relieving himself and he mm-hmm. looked like he was just like coming into the heavens greeting us as Jared Leto and I was like oh my god that looks like Jared Leto oh that is that really is I in the beginning like you couldn't tell because right. he had his Jesus hair. He looked dirty, mm-hmm. and he looked really skinny. Uh, yeah, I think he. I think this was the time like he just got done with Texas Buyers Club, Dallas Buyers or Club. No, yeah, yeah, Dallas Buyers Club. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I his mean, cult. The, what is it? Mars cult. <laughs> yeah, and like look at the Manson family. They were all filthy. Oh, I so know. So it's like that. It's sort of you know. It's there's all kinds of ways to brainwash people. Controlling their food, controlling their access to cleanliness, yeah. controlling their sexuality. Those are all great ways to keep people. Doing but what I you wonder if do. he's met his match, just like Errol. Hopefully. So Flynn ends up meeting his match Mm. in one particular film during the height of his career. So this behavior was not going to fly with Grand Dame Betty Davis. Mm -mm. So she'll push him off Runyon. Let me tell (laughs) you. Without any hesitation, with a cocktail in hand, dwindling on her lipstick. Yes. Flynn's co-star in 1939. The Private Lives of Elizabeth and Essex. Mm. Betty was a dynamic creature and a big, big star of a lot, but not physically my type. Dominating everybody around, and especially me, he writes, in my wicked, wicked ways. Davis was particularly aggravated that Flynn was being paid more than her, which he agreed was ridiculous since she was far better actress than I could ever hope to be an actor. Mm. But in one scene, Davis was required to give Flynn a light slap. (laughs) (laughs) But during a rehearsal in front of hundreds of extras, Davis, according to Flynn, lifted one of her hands heavy with those Elizabethan rings. And Joe Luis himself couldn't give a right hook better than Betty hooked me. Hilarious. She whooped his ass. Good for her. I know. And I'm sure she went to the costume or was like, add just a couple more rings. She's pulling like the uh, J-Lo in enough, like wrapping oh, her yeah. rings. <laughs> right. Oh, she didn't need to wrap those she's rings. She's ready. She didn't need to wrap. She's yeah. like, no, the rougher the better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and embarrassed, embarrassed, Flynn confronted Davis in her dressing room. And this is so iconic. She didn't turn around, he writes. She just looked into the mirror dawdled at her makeup with me behind her cautiously like a boy with a cap in in his hand she quickly let Flynn know what was up if you can't take a little slap then that's just too bad she exclaimed I can't do it any other way that's the kind of actress I am I stress actress oh (laughs) mic drop iconic Mike drop. It, the, yeah. The disrespect of just like, I'm not even going to turn around. You're not even worth it. Ugh, legend. I, I love that. And I love like he was like very honest about that. Yeah. In some way, I, I feel that maybe he saw like a, like his mother in her. Right. Yeah. Right? He was just fearful. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. But a rattled Flynn, his ego and face bruised, backed out slowly and went back into his dressing room where he promptly threw up. 
Oh, damn. He got punched and bruised. Oh, pobrecita. I know. Cry me a river. Like, okay, fine. And cried all the way to his dressing room to the point where Betty Davis made him throw up. (laughs) I love it. Now, like, my my admiration for her is, like, tenfold Mm -hmm. right now. (laughs) Don't fuck with her. Flynn then decides that he wants more out of life and wants adventure and danger like his role model, Ernest Hemingway. Oh, God. Like, honestly, <laughs> could you pick a worse role model? Like, what? It makes a lot of sense. Oh, my it God. It makes $2 and a lot of sense. Like? It makes $2 and a lot of sense, Bryce. Come on. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right? I'm not trying to say, he's a great writer. I love Ernest Hemingway, but what the fuck? <laughs> All right, so he wants to be a war correspondent. He oh, ends up God. trying to live the dream out in a Spanish, in the Spanish Civil War. But get this, he I'm he just becomes lay on the ground for a minute. Like what the <laughs> fuck? He becomes friends with Herman Urban, an mm. Austrian doctor who not only was half Jewish, mm. but worked for the Nazis as a spy. Hmm. There were rumors that um, Errol was also a Nazi spy, but there was no evidence backing mm-hmm. his claim. So that is kind of up in the air. Jack Warner reels Flynn in because he's like, Errol, this is really adorable, but you need to come back to the U.S. because we're on contract and you need to start mm-hmm. making some paper for us. So he goes back to the U.S. to finish more pictures, but Flynn's health was already on a steady decline. You see, not only did he have a thirst for women, adventure, and war, but he had an insane thirst for alcohol. Mm. And this made his body worse because he already had an enlarged heart, and this led to his collapse on set a lot, which was something that the studios kept hush, hush. Mm -hmm. So they were just painting it like, oh, no, he's just a little burnt out. But really, like his drinking and his other internal health problems Mm -hmm. were already on a decline. Right. So he later tries to be a part of the war efforts of World War Two by signing up to fight because that was something, too, that a lot of actors were doing at the time. Clint Eastwood, Kirk Douglas and Henry Fonda, just to name a few. But Flynn is rejected because of his health. He endures severe FOMO to the point <laughs> where he writes to the president of the U.S. and begs him to give him a go at World War Two. But the request is rejected. So if he couldn't join them, he would just portray them on the screen. He would portray his war efforts on the screen by playing in two patriotic war movies, Edge of Darkness in 1943 and Raoul Walsh's Objective Burma in 1945. But the 40s was not a decade for him. Right. So we're going to go into this trial. Trigger warning. Yes. Okay. So in 1942, he divorces his first wife, Lily. And then he's charged with raping two underage girls who are 15-year-old Peggy Satterley and 15-year-old Betty Hansen. Mm. They claim that Flynn had seduced them. One incident supposedly happened on his yacht and the other one at a Hollywood party, which I'm not surprised. Right. I mean, this is the era of, like, Fatty Arbuckle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Those Hollywood parties back then. And again, I'm not saying that it was like better now. No. Like this shit still happens, unfortunately. Like you look at the Corys, you look at all the Harvey Weinstein issues. Um, so obviously nothing's changed, but goddamn, was it like rampant then? Oh, yeah. It was worse. A lot worse yeah. back then. But the rest made uh, world news headlines. This was bigger than the World War II coverage at the point. So hmm. it was Errol Flynn's rape case and then World War II. Jesus. There was uh, concrete evidence to support the girls' claims. Mm-hmm. 
there was even medically examined evidence Jesus. to prove their claims. Wow. And of course, in Flynn's fashion, he made arrangements to try to flee the U.S. during this trial. <sighs> Coward. He, of course, hires the best lawyers, compliments of Warner Brothers. Right. And th- all of them decide, let's smear the girl's reputation, which they do so. Of course. Yes. So the girls endured horrendous abuse from the public and from the press. And by the end of the trial, the jury believes Errol. They believe him. Ugh, and he walks away. could not be rolling further back in my head right now if I tried. But this still leaves a bad mark on his name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, Regardless, we all know that yeah. there's like the legal court and then there's the court of public opinion. Mm-hmm. So at least somebody hates him. But like, right. God damn. But he has this reputation. If you see the show Past Lives, there's pictures mm. of him leaving the courthouse and there's these women mm. in their gloves and hats asking for his autograph. It's just, yeah. I, I was like, what the, of course, nothing changes with the public. You know, there's some people that are going to love Amber Heard and mm-hmm. not oh, love God. her. Back that whole then, thing, people loved, it's so public. I, I hate know. it. I hate it so much. I know. And, you know, that's another thing that's occurring right now. Yes. Number one thing trending was Amber Heard, yeah. Johnny Depp and Ukraine war somewhere in, in the middle. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, we all know, like, I personally, uh, and, you know, I'm not trying to be super political and ostracize people. I actually respect a lot of different opinions than mine. Uh, I do often find it very jarring to see people, uh, for example, you know, coming as a gay man when I see uh, log cabin Republicans who are oh, yeah. the subgroup of Republicans who are the un invited to the Republican National Convention gay sect of Republicanism. I'm like, okay, they don't even let you into their party. What are you doing? And I'm not saying you have to be a Democrat. I'm really not. Mm -hmm. It's just very jarring to me when you see people who are like trying to bootlick the people who are oppressing them. It's very weird to me. And the reason I bring that up is because when you say like women trying to get his autograph, it's like this weird thing that we all do. We're like, well, it won't be me. I, I won't. I won't be a victim to this thing. Well, he didn't do it to me, so right. it's okay. It's very jarring. And yeah, and it gets worse. Mm. He marries 18-year-old Nora Eddington, who worked at the course house while this Nora. trial was going on. But I don't know if you watched any of the um, Escaping <sighs> Escaping R. Kelly documentary. Oh that, my god, That yes. was very common. A lot of his victims met him at his trials. Because yeah. they were fans, and they were there every day, and they're oh. beautiful, and he saw them on his way out, and they're sort of allured and they're 15 and they're like, oh my God, he's talking to me. And There's still some R. Kelly stands. Mm-hmm. There are people that still stand with him, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they're all, all these victims that came forward. But again, we just think it won't happen to, to me. me. Right. Until it happens until to them. Happens. And yeah. I think something did happen to one of those stands. Oh, right. There was actually two young women who met him at his initial trial and then became victims of his abuse, oh, unfortunately. well, that's what happened to Nora right here. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, uh, yeah. Nora, no. Yeah, so Nora is 18, surprisingly 18, not a young girl. But, girl, you know how it is. Yeah. Yeah, 18 is technically legal. I was so fucking stupid when but I, I was 18. Him. <laughs> yeah. I should not have been allowed to do anything when I was 18. 18. Right? Like, even 21. Like, I was a fucking idiot. Like, no, 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 no. So he marries Nora, and then he marries himself into a world of drugs and becomes addicted to morphine and opium. Oh, gosh. 
on top of his alcoholism, he would have these drug benders where he would lash out at Nora, which resulted in abuse and mm-hmm. eventually led to their divorce. Mm-hmm. Laura, you should have known better. They, sad. they had a couple, I think they had a couple of kids together, but um, how crazy do you have to be to lash out at someone when you're under a sedative, though? Isn't a, isn't a morphine, like, an opium, like, sedatives? I don't know, Wouldn't though. You yeah, it is. Wouldn't you be too relaxed? But maybe if you, like, mix it with, like, maybe if you're True. mixing or, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, technically, alcohol is a sedative, but we all know that there are people who are, like, insane That's when they drink. True. So That's I, true. I don't, I don't know enough about it, honestly. Mm-hmm. But it seems like this guy does a lot of unusual things. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump into this story real quickly, because I'm sure people are like, what about the John Barrymore corpse I know. story? So this happened, too, in the 40s. The story of John Barrymore's corpse, the grandfather of Drew Barrymore, who passed away in 1942, was really good friends with Errol. Mm. So as the story goes, actor Errol Flynn, comedian W.C. Fields, and poet Sadakichi Hartman who were all friends with John Barrymore, temporarily took his dead body and propped it up at a poker table. People were like, in between whether or not the story was true Mm. or if it was made up. Well, in 2021, Drew Barrymore confirmed that this actually happened in an interview with Daily News. There's a video and she explains... And I quote, they did. I will have to say this. I hope my friends do the same thing to me. That is the kind of spirit I can get behind. Just prop the old bag up and have a few last rounds. Sure. All right. Her granddad passed away due to cirrhosis of the liver and kidney failure, complicated by pneumonia. But he also, too, Mm. was another alcoholic. I mean, they all were, realistically. And which made his body very vulnerable to the pneumonia. Right. So you know who he kind of reminds me of in a way, Errol? Mm. Have you ever seen the movie, like, Atonement? Mm-hmm. With Keira Knightley mm-hmm. and Benedict Cumberbatch? Yes. And our favorite James McAvoy? Ugh. Hi, James. I know. He can hit us till, like, the end of time. Hi, Mr. Tumnus. Now, you know that one family friend in the film that Benedict portrays? He comes and visits. Yeah. And then he Mm -hmm. does Mm -hmm. what he does to the cousin. Right. Which was the whole, like, start of the plot right there. Right. So there's, like, spoiler alert. There's a... (laughs) I mean, it's like 20 years old. (laughs) There's this redheaded girl in the film that portrays the cousin to Keira Knightley. Mm -hmm. And in the... I think she's, like, 13 or 14. But there's a scene that really gave me Errol Flynn vibes between Mm. the both of them. I don't know if you remember. There's a scene where they're in the room and she and him are flirting. And she, he pulls out this candy bar. He's like, you want some chocolate? And she's like, yes. And then he opens the bar of chocolate. She comes in she grabs it and he takes it away. He's like, no, no, no. He feeds it to her. He's like, bite down hard. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like yeah. that stash and that, that delivery yeah, no. gave me Errol Flynn vibes. Yeah. But to give you guys a really good example of how he was like, that's to me. Totally. What he reminded me of. And there's pictures of him. With a very young Bridget Bardot. Oh, wow. Have you seen this picture? No. He's feeding her no. like a soda. Ew. And she looks very, like, she's very, very young in this picture. Mm. She's between the ages, I want to say, of 14 or 16. And it's just his, like, 
demeanor. It just looks, it looks so pedo. It just looks so disgusting. Ew. I'm going to have to find that, but it just looked yeah. very uncomfortable. So in 1950, he marries Patrice Waymore and they have a child together. So by this time, he already has fathered four kids from his past marriages and Jesus. this one. And by the early 1950s, Flynn was so broke, which according to the star was everybody's fault but his. Uh, oh, <laughs> really? Oh, wow. So original. What an you, original you ready, take. You ready for his comment? Girl. <clears throat> and I quote, I felt used, used by the studio, used to make money, used by the press for fun, used by society as a piece of chalk to provide the world with a dab of color. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> look, again, see, this is the nuance of it, though, is that, yes, were studios taking advantages of yeah. actors at the time? Yes, obviously, we're not trying to be like, the studios were right. But, like, okay. You're a product of the studio, remember. You're right. a product of the studio, which means the studio can do whatever they want with right. you. Right, and look, that's not a good system. I'm not trying to no, advocate for that. No, and it was that. a horrible system. But, like... It still is, in I, a way. Yeah, I mean... Ugh. I have stories. <laughs> deep, deep, deep. Very deep. So he then divorces Patrice in 1959. Flynn eventually washes out, like, literally. He, he's a washed-out actor. Mm. He washes out to sea in the Mediterranean. Then he returns to film and begins to play at gas char- characters that are finally himself. A bloated, washed-up actor. Hmm. A bloated, drunk actor. Hmm. Now, during the filming of a movie, Flynn collapses on set and is rushed to hospital. The doctor tells him that he really needs to stop drinking because if he doesn't, then the next time he collapses, he's not going to be able to get up. Jesus. So Warner Brothers is like, so you're saying he's still alive right now? Right. Like he could finish his film. Yes. So you're saying that we could put him on set? I don't think that. No, 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 no. Can he be on set? Right. Yes, but he cannot touch liquor. Okay, just as long as he can be on set. What's the first thing he does when he? Of course. He gets on set. He requests a tumbler filled with vodka. It's the first thing he consumes when he goes on set. In the show Past Lives, one of I think it's the director mm. of the film. He's like. The first thing he asked for was vodka. Jesus. After he just collapsed and was told you shouldn't be touching alcohol. Addicts, you know. Mm -hmm. He eventually um, continues to drink and then he gets engaged again. And this time to a 15 year old dancer and actress. Now, some sources say that she was 15. Other sources say that she was 17. But regardless, like, he's almost 50 and still dating young young and it's young a power dynamic at girls. the end of the day even if she was 25 like he's famous mm-hmm. and it's a power dynamic issue yes so he meets <sighs> dancer and actress Bever- beverly adlin oh, he beverly, why? saw her from afar and requested the costumer to set it up <clears throat> in an interview you could see this in the show past lives and this is something so disturbing so sorry so trigger warning mm-hmm. beverly is interviewed and she states in the show that her first sexual experience with Errol was um, her being raped by 48-year-old Flynn, but she kept this all to herself. Mm. They were in talks of getting engaged and talks of getting married, but that never happens because in October of 1959, Flynn passes away due to a heart attack at the age of 50. He was in Vancouver staying at a house of Dr. Grant Gold. 
He goes upstairs to lie down in one of the bedrooms and never woke up. He was found by his girlfriend, Beverly, who later went to check on him and noticed that he was not breathing. Mm. So according to L.A. Coroner's report, that the cause of death having been a heart attack, but during the final moments of examination, trigger warning, this is very graphic. <laughs> Dr. McDonald and Dr. Harmon discovered something else, several large VD warts on the edge of Flynn's privates. Jesus. He also had the internal organs of an 80-year-old man. Jesus. And they were so shocked that he actually made it to 50. Yeah. So that is the life and the... Tragic death of Errol Flynn. Right. I mean, oof, whatever. <laughs> I'm not, I don't wish anyone dead. Fine, whatever. <laughs> I quote from you, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead. Right. But <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, ironically, I'm sure we can chit chat about this, but yeah. he is then involved in like a posthumous lawsuit because there's all these things that come out after his death. Oh. And, like, you know, some of these things. So people were trying to uh, sue his estate? No, it's actually the opposite. They're, the estate, I believe, was trying to sort of, like, combat libel-type uh, contentions. And the court ruled uh, in, like, a lightly groundbreaking case that you can't, you actually can't libel someone who's dead. So it's sort <laughs> of like they kind of threw the case out. Um, that case was more in regards to like his alleged Nazi ties. Oh um, yeah. But the court essentially ruled that like, well, he's not alive. It's not libel. It's it it just doesn't have any like legal precedent. So yeah. he's kind of involved in this like weird posthumous, like lightly groundbreaking thing where now the precedent is set. It's like, well he's dead. It's not libel. Right. So, you know, uh <sighs> what a guy. I mean he was indeed a degenerate, a mm -hmm. libertine, most completely immoral man who lived his entire life teetering on the edge of completely beyond both rules of civilized mm -hmm. behavior and occasionally of civilization itself. Totally. Let's make him a star. Let's make him a star. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, God, I need a break. Bryce, are you ready to take a break? Yeah, always. All right, let's take a shot. And you know what kind of <laughs> shot we're going to take. Not Bridget. a tumbler full of vodka. No. Correct. <laughs> You are correct. Not that. Something better. We don't need that poison. Only when it serves us when we are having a bad day. Yeah. But we've been having trouble trying to stay focused, right? Mm -hmm. So let us introduce you guys to a little elixir that helps us stay focused, yes. increases energy, and maintains stress levels. That goes by the name of Magic Mind. I love a Magic Mind. This month has been very insane for the both of us. Girl, there's a lot of plates spinning. There's a lot of plates spinning, and there's a lot of boxes that still need to be packed. We're still surrounded by my boxes. I'm trying to stay focused, trying to design costumes for a show in the fall, mm -hmm. moving from one place to another, and writing, you know, content for our episodes, right. and it gets very overwhelming. Totally. And there's times where I just really can't stay focused, and I feel like Magic Mind, this little elixir, really has done a lot of good yeah. by keeping me stay focused, by not, by preventing me from being, like, a procrastinator, in totally. a sense. And not to be too... Personal, but here we are. <laughs> well, look, listen, look and listen. Like, if you're female and you're listening, um, I'm just noticing, like, my symptoms of my monthly cycle. Wow. And I get more fatigued and mm. more brain fogs lately because of my cycle. And I noticed this month 
this month that those symptoms have lessened now. Wow. Crazy. It's really crazy. And I love it. Yeah. I'm actually like, I was like, whoa. So this actually helps with the adrenal support. I started drinking these little shots and I love them and they help me, you know, with everything that I need to do mm-hmm. to fulfill my day. Totally. And how they have they helped you? Well, yeah. And it's that sort of thing of like, you know, it sounds a little drink the Kool-Aid, but like literally the longer now we've been drinking them, mm-hmm. the more I'm noticing uh, how it's sort of and it's it's sort of ironic. It's not that you're noticing for me some sort of like huge Revelation, it's almost a mellowing out. So it's like the thing that I'm noticing is a lessening, but of all the like the jitters, the anxiety, the brain fog, I, I'm a big brain fog gal myself. Yes. And it's just sort of like, oh wow, I'm noticing that those are being lessened, which is sort of an inverse relationship. But again, it's because now we've been doing these for the month, like you had said, and it's just so interesting to sort of see how that you know, those little habits start to add up and, you know, that's sort of where magic mind comes in is like supporting just day to day, better engagement. It's not an energy drink. You're not going to be getting the jitters. And like, look, you know me, I love my coffee. I'm not going to, no company will get me to stop drinking coffee. Look, we are drinking. Yeah. The bucks here, yeah. But so, I had my magic mind this morning. Right, it's sort of a different. Good. It's yeah. sort of a different player on the board of like, yeah, I'm still going to be drinking coffee, but this is sort of making me sharper throughout the day, more focused throughout the day, less stressed throughout the day. I'm still going to drink coffee. Me addiction too. is addiction, but <laughs> this is kind of its own separate thing. You're not a been, quitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's been so interesting to see that um, as we've kind of been experimenting this month with magic mind and just seeing that change. Right. And let's go over some of their magical ingredients. Let's do it. Very simple ingredients. Let's start off with matcha, which helps you stay focused, has naturally occurring L-theanine to help keep you going and keep you focused, of Mm -hmm. course. Adaptogens like ashwanga and turmeric tropics like lion's mane mushrooms that help Mm -hmm. with blood flow and cognition. And of course, you taste this little sweetness in there and it's honey. Yeah. So it's naturally sweetened with honey. There are times where I even mix it with a little almond milk and make a little iced mm. matcha latte. Well, and here's the thing is like you can take all of these individual ingredients like they're all available. Right. But I am already taking like kind of a lot of pills. Like the older I get, I feel like I'm just turning into my grandmother. <laughs> like <laughs> I've got my little daily pill thing and I'm taking like so many like my, me too all these supplements and like you know we're all just trying to live like the healthiest possible version of our lives mm-hmm. so the fact that this one delicious little drink in the morning it's one shot and you're getting all of these things that is saving multiple bottles of pills because again it's not they're not hidden mystery ingredients that you can't pronounce it's all yeah. things that you can get if you want to take them individually, but like, why do that when it's already mixed for you? Like, yeah, I'm, so you know me, simple. I'm such, I'm so lazy, especially when it comes to my own health. I'm me like, too. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but this is like so convenient. It plugs right into your already kind of established healthy habits and yeah. it's wrapped up in one very simple, like little bottle. Yeah. It's like, you're not even doing anything different. Cause I, I really have no. I just can't swallow anymore. I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> There's no more pills in this body. I can't do it. <laughs> You're like, I can't. I don't have any room. I know. So it's so, just so nice that it's that convenient. Yeah, it's super convenient. And it's sustainable. So mm-hmm. I went on their 
on their Instagram and They're you can best. actually reuse their bottles yeah. as shampoo and conditioner bottles for travel. And I'm like traveling next weekend right. to Missouri. So I'm like, that is such a good idea. The timing. Thanks. Perfect. Universe. I know. Seriously. And I'm doing something good for in the environment. By I love that. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yes. Now, if you're like us, I totally recommend that you go check them out at magicmind.co. That's magicmind.co slash hollyweird. And join a community of go-getters. You can also use our discount code hollyweird20 to get 40 off your first subscription or 20% off your first one-time purchase. Yeah. Our 40% off code only lasts 10 days, so hurry up. I love Sherry Magic Mind. We love Magic Mind. Our friends mm. and Hollywood listeners, we're all coffee addicts, but <laughs> we all need to stay focused and stay wired in better ways. So let's go ahead and get our minds on Magic Mind. Yes. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, we're going to go into the paranormal yes, aftermath. Spooky time. Spookies. All right. So, are there Errol Flynn ghosts lingering around? I hope not. But unfortunately... I, you know what? <laughs> in, a, in a shocking change of events, I hope so. I have some words to say. say. That's right. <laughs> Get me a seance board. I'm oh, doing it. if our friend Tracy what if, Nelson... What if this is needed, what it took? Um, yeah. I kicked the door in. Full, full on, like, <laughs> Zach Baggins. I'm, that's it. I'm here. I've got something to say. Oh, my God. Travel... Discovery, give us a show. Yeah, this is what it's going to take. If I have a chance to yell at so, sexual wait, assaulters, then so I'll do you're it. you're telling me mm-hmm. that all we need mm-hmm. for you to go in and confront a ghost would have to be someone like Errol Flynn yep. or a degenerate of Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, that's what it takes. Let me write this down. If it's like a, <laughs> if it's like a sweet child ghost that wants to play with me, absolutely not. <laughs> pass. Hard pass. If it's, if it's any version of the Shadow Man, I'm out. But if it's like someone who was raping underage women, I have some words. You have some words. And some holy water. And some salt. And I have my chancla and faja, so we're going to do this. I'm dipping the chancla in holy water (laughs) as we speak. Like, mid-afternoon snack. It's fine. (laughs) Well, if you listened to our last episode of Famous Haunted Music Studios, you know that uh, one of many Errol Flynn's homes was bought by the famed producer Rick Rubin in Laurel Canyon. And many of the musicians that had recorded and stayed at his house had witnessed some strange activities and apparitions. But it turns out another famous musician lived in another home owned and built by Errol himself, former teen sensation heartthrob singer Ricky or Rick Nelson. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. So Flynn had this home built in 1941 off of 7740 Mulholland Road. And it was a ranch-styled home fancy with some interesting rooms, the sex rooms, and secret passages that we will get into very soon. Uh This home back in the 40s was the go-to bachelor pad. Like, if you were a stunt double, Mm -hmm. if you were an actor, if you were a part of that dirtiness of Hollywood, you went to these dirty parties at Errol Flynn's house. And it was always a place where certain people were allowed to do certain things in certain rooms that we'll get into. Uh So this is the haunting of Rick Nelson and Tracy Nelson. Wow. So Tracy Nelson and her father, Rick Nelson, moved into Errol Flynn's former home, I'm assuming probably in the 70s. So Tracy went on the show Celebrity Ghost Stories, and you mm-hmm. can find this on season two, I believe. I think it's season two, episode three, and told her stories of her encounters of what she believed was the ghost of Errol Flynn. Oof. Now, when they first moved into the house, she said it was an unsettling and busy house. Mm. She never felt at peace there, and she felt like 
there was no center to the home or any heart. Hmm. Her room was the former room of Flynn's fifteen-year-old no, mistress, Ugh. and had a double mirror on the ceiling. Gross. So it turns out that Flynn would make bets with some of his friends that he could get his mistress in bed with him, and they would watch him from the ceiling. So a lot of this would occur during his get-togethers and parties. Gross. They would go into these rooms and create a show for these people that were watching from another room, which was disgusting. Tracy would try to have friends over at the house and have slumber parties, but her friends didn't like being in the house, let alone getting undressed in the house because mm. they always felt as though someone was watching them. Mm-mm. So she stopped having friends over. They just didn't feel comfortable in that house. One night, Tracy had a dream and she said she was walking down the stairs and saw Flynn turn the corner. He was dressed in a tuxedo and raised a martini glass to her and said, Happy New Year, and then walked away. Jesus. Another night she woke up and she couldn't breathe. She also said she heard a man's roaring laughter. She ran downstairs and collapsed. She could breathe now. Her father asked her if she was okay, and she responded, tell that man to stop laughing. Her father had no clue who she was talking about. Mm. The next night she came home and she was by herself. She went into her room and 10 minutes later, she heard her father's guitars and gold records being smashed in chaos downstairs. She hid in her closet and thought that they were being robbed. An hour after the noise stopped, She went downstairs to discover nothing had been touched. Whoa. She heard the same laughter she heard the night before, a man laughing. Rick Nelson's demeanor and behavior also changed after moving in. He would have these massive fits of rage and would lash out in his home study, according to Tracy. This was brought on by his excessive use of cocaine and alcohol, to which Tracy... (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, to which Tracy felt like her father was being enabled more... To use by the spirit of Errol Flynn. Interesting. But in divorce papers by her mom, mm. I mean, she mentions that Errol was, I mean, that uh, that uh, Rick was using mm-hmm. cocaine. At this point, her father never wanted to leave the house and became obsessed with an old plane that he had previously, that had previously belonged to an actor. And this was odd because Nelson hated to fly. Hmm. He would sit at his desk and paint models of it all day. He finally bought an actual plane and he will eventually die in a plane crash on New Year's Eve. Jesus. In 1985. You can just not get me in one of those like Cessnas or any of those like little seaplanes. Yeah. Like, oh, they're just so scary to me. So, yes, Rick Nelson passes away in Texas in 1985 in a plane crash that was carrying seven people including Rick and his fiance. Now, Nelson's former wife said in a report that he was constantly taking cocaine, quaaludes, and many other drugs. Federal investigators of the crash believe that the crash may have resulted from a cabin fire ignited by free-basing cocaine. Uh, You guys... (laughs) Please stop free basing cocaine in your private jets. Like, goddamn. We went over this. Yes. What the fuck? Do not free base cocaine. Oh, my God. However, Tracy believed that it was the spirit of Errol Flynn that Mm. may have been the cause of her father's decline and eventually his death. She was also very stunned because of what Errol Flynn said to her in her dream. Happy New Year. Mm. Soon after this whole accident, the death of her father, the house 
was abandoned and then eventually mysteriously burnt down. She wanted nothing to do with that house. Wow. She left it, yeah, after the death. And she was like, no, that, that house needed to go away. And it just burnt down mysteriously. From freebasing cocaine, obviously. <laughs> Arrow freebasing cocaine yeah. in the afterlife. I don't think... Errol's ghost or whatever was there was the cause of Rick's death. I believe in some possibly sick, twisted way. Okay, let's just say there was the spirit of Errol Flynn mm. there. And because of this, just how horrible he was as a human, he was horrible in this afterlife that I felt like he was taunting her in her dreams. Mm. Like, you're going to lose your father. Happy New Year. Yeah, Bye. that's very intense that he would have some kind of like precognition. Yeah. And it has been said that, you know, people have been visited in dreams by the dead and have been mm. warned about something coming coming in the future. Mm. I could understand her thinking that, though. Like, if someone who has an addictive personality is being influenced by a spirit who in their life was a very addictive personality, I could see how that could exacerbate yeah. an already existing condition, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously when we're grieving, we also are like looking for something to grab onto. Exactly. So, you know, there's probably a mix, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, but I could definitely see why she would think that. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, yeah. Did her dad go from like a teetotaler to like an addict overnight because of a ghost? Yeah, probably not. Mm -hmm. I don't know the situation, so I can't say obviously, but could someone who already has an addictive personality be influenced to go further than maybe they would have on their own? Maybe. I mean, I could yeah. see that. He was a teen heartthrob, and we've yeah. seen that story totally play out in Hollywood. Totally. I mean, look at the Corys. Oh, the Corys. They make me so sad. Yes. I mean, we even brought up, like, look at Demi Lovato. Like, mm, I know. And, and some other kids, too, that were part of that Disney it's all, I mean, Miley Plan. and Yeah, all they all Selena. fall into some sort of addiction. Totally. Because of the stress, the stress and the pressures of Hollywood mm -hmm. and those executives. So mm -hmm. I'm sure that's what, you know, Rick was going through. Yeah. And I mean, people would even state, no, he had these addictions even right. before then. So, and this was the seventies. Right. Linking into the eighties. So. Jeez. Yeah. This was. This was a problem that was going throughout the U.S. And L.A. especially. Like, mm -hmm. Coke in the 80s to L.A. is like oxygen. Like, <laughs> yeah, we had all that smog. It was Coke dust. Like, what do you want? Right. Um, other tidbits, too, I found out with Errol's children. Mm. So, you know, he had four children, right? right? So this is something of a true crime mystery. It's really sad. So he had a son by the name of Sean Flynn mm -hmm. from his first wife to Lily. And um, if you see pictures of Sean, gorgeous, mm -hmm. spitting image of Errol. So in the 60s, Sean does pursue acting mm -hmm. and he gets bored of it. He's like, no, I'm going to be a photojournalist. Oh, wow. So he goes into the field and does photojournalism of all these wars. He goes to Israel. He eventually goes to Vietnam and Cambodia. Wow. So he goes to Cambodia in 1970 and he travels with this other photojournalist from, I think it's CBS or CNN, Dana something. It had to be CBS because CNN wasn't there. So CBS. Yeah, it'd have to be. And... Well, he was with this other photojournalist, this other woman, and they were both on motorcycles. They were supposed to oh, go no. in limos to this other destination, and they were 
at a stop point in this highway and people have witnessed that they were stopped by the Viet Cong. Oh, no. And that was the last time that they were ever seen. So poor Sean Flynn, they believe, was kidnapped by the Viet Cong along with his um, his partner Whoa. in crime there. They were, they were traveling together and they were never seen again. Really Their sad. bodies never surfaced. And in 1984, he is pronounced legally dead. Wow. And it was really, really sad because his mom spent so much money trying to go back to find her son. Oh, God. And this was a story, too. I mean, this was a common story for yes. a lot of people that served. I know, like... My sister's uh, mother-in-law, mm. her brother went missing mm-hmm. during um, during Nam, and the family, for many many years, even to this day, they still are investigating his whereabouts, like what happened. Oh, yeah, that's so sad. It's really really sad, and it was a it's, it's a common story that happened mm-hmm. during that era mm-hmm. for men and women. Oh. Yeah, I read that and I was, just right now I was like, oh, damn. Because I was like, what happened to the children? I know that I think one or two are still living. Mm. Yeah, but Sean definitely passed at a very young age. That's very sad. Mm-hmm. So that is the Paranormal Association and the yeah. mysterious disappearance of uh, Sean Flynn and Errol Flynn and the haunting of Tracy and Rick Nelson. Yeah, crazy. Mm-hmm. Always a trail of chaos with this man, I swear. Well, right, and the Hollywood is like the biggest little town. I know. Everyone's connected somehow. This was a slice of like just an example of how dark Hollywood totally. it was Jesus. how toxic it is. Yeah. Well, guys, that is the end of our episode. <laughs> a light episode, yes. <laughs> just light. I know. Light. I know it was a bit heavy, um, but let us know what you think. And also, let us know if you can drop a couple of lines on our Apple Podcasts. Oh, yes. If you haven't done so, please go on our Apple Podcasts, rate and review, write a really nice review, please. We are independent podcasters. And it helps us become a little more visible. Mm -hmm. And if you love Hollywood Paranormal, we hope that you travel over to our website, hollywoodparanormal.com. You can learn a little bit about myself and Bryce and get caught up to some past episodes and seasons you can also browse through our store go through our merch we have a link there for all of that and a link for our patreon so if you head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash hollywood paranormal or go through our website for one dollar or more you can subscribe to our saturday night ghost club it's a secret podcast where we upload stories i've been collecting a lot more so i'll be releasing some new episodes nice. very very soon it's kind of hard being busy trying to collect these episodes right. yeah like you don't have a ton of free time <laughs> yeah but there's stories out there she busy yeah i went on a trip to big bear and i found fa- i oh, met this nice. girl that i was staying in a cabin with Aww. and she shared with me the story about her playing with a ouija board oh my god so i'm gonna upload that everyone to saturday has night a story everyone stories. has one so that's what St- saturday night ghost stories is all about or saturday night ghost club is all about we just collect uh, real ghost stories from real people on the street. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And also, you'll be gifted in merch. You'll yes. be gifted in key, a keychain, stickers, magnets, pins, and a coaster to rest your iced coffee or your magic mind on. Yes. And of course, if you want to stalk us a little more, you can go on our Instagram and Facebook and TikTok at Hollywood Paranormal or our Twitter at HWP Podcast. Mm-hmm. If you have a ghost story that you're dying to share with us, no pun intended, huh. you can send it our way to Hollywood. 
hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. That's hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. We need to conjure up another listener's tale. Yes, those are my favorites. I have one or two I think I have saved, but we need more. Come on, guys. Send us more so we can do another episode. I love those episodes. I know. They're so fun. I just love hearing from our friends. You know what I mean? It's so fun. I love it when you guys, like, write them or even you can use your voice memo to record it. Yeah, whatever's... And Easy. send it over yeah. our way, and we'll definitely plug it into that episode, of course. And be sure to go check out our friends over at Homespun Hates. You can't get enough of Hollywood Paranormal. They just uploaded our episode. Yeah, it was so good. I love them. Yes, they uploaded too. So we have a bonus episode. If you want to hear one of my crazy New Orleans ghost stories, yes. it's called Booty Call. <laughs> I love it. How a ghost caused Tammy to get a call late one night and she thought it was a booty call. Look, whatever it takes. Yeah. And then you can listen to another one that we were both part of, too. Mm -hmm. Um, It was about our theater or haunted theater experiences. Hollywood, haunted Hollywood. And of course, why theaters are haunted. We go into it. It's Why? really fun. They're a really great podcast. Follow so Homespun Haints. They also interviewed our friend, mm-hmm. Inika Edenfield. I know. I love it. It's such a fun little community. It is. I love it's like, such, oh, everyone knows each other. There's, yeah, everyone knows each other, and there's room for everyone. Yes, deeply. So, um, guys, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I'm taking a trip yes. to Missouri. Oh, my goodness. I'll be staying at a haunted B&B. So, get this. <laughs> Girl. I got a call from the people to mm-hmm. confirm my reservation from the B and B and I knew there was something they had there had to be a story there. It's a mm. museum and inn. And where it's located, it's near a graveyard. Right. And the guy tells me, oh, yeah, we're just calling to reserve uh, to confirm your reservation. I'm like, yeah, so you guys have a lot of uh, antiques in there. They're like, yes, it's a museum by the day. And then it's a and b at night. Mm. And so I, I asked him, I'm just going to come out with this. Is it haunted? Mm. Let's rip the Band-Aid out. And he's like, a couple months ago, we had a paranormal team do a lockdown in here. And they found quite a few things. Whoa. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, there's two entities here. By the way, you're sitting in the Elizabeth room. Bye. <laughs> Bing. Yeah. Oh, my God. So I'm like, great. I mean, I will, in <laughs> fairness, I will put up with a lot to get breakfast. So I know. Yeah, I can be convinced. I can, yeah. Like, is it chicken and waffles? Then I might stay. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, chicken and waffles. Girl. I don't know. Missouri, do they do that? I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty Midwesty, I guess. But I think if chicken and waffles is like a more Southern thing. Mm-hmm. Missouri is kind of one of those weird, like, is it Midwest? Is it Southern? Kind yeah. of depends on where you are. Is it a place like they toast bread and just fry a pickle and that's it? I mean. Like, I wouldn't mind that at all. Yeah. And I'll be also doing an investigation at the Belvoir Winery. Ooh. Yes. It's supposed to be haunted. It was owned by the Oddfellows at one oh my point. God. And on top of that, I'll be going to the Sally House. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Ew, David. Yeah. Oh my God. That's that's a full trip. I'll be doing. I'll be recording a couple of things for some chasing ghost episodes that we could plug in, and it'll be really fun, guys. Yeah. I can't wait to collect a lot of content, take a lot of pictures, and see if I could collect any ghosts. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't wait to hear. Yes, Missouri. Like, what do you do in Missouri? Uh, I've really only been to St. Louis. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know that I've been that many other places. So mm-hmm. I've done all the, like, I've done the Arch and, you know, I've yeah. kind of done the, like, 
touristy, St. Louisy yeah. kind of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. to Louisy things. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. All right, guys, we hope that you have a wonderful day, yes. that you have a, run, a wonderful month or year whenever you're listening to this podcast. We just hope that you are doing well, that you're staying healthy, mm-hmm. and most of all, that you're staying holly weird. <laughs> stay sane, friends. Yeah. Stay weird. Stay holly weird. Bryce, do you have anything else you want to say? Bye. Bye. <laughs> God, don't be in like Flynn. Yeah, God, oh, no. God, no. <laughs> what a guy.